You're listening to Work Tape, episode 38. Welcome to Work Tape, everyone. Here today with Christina, and we're going to talk about Queen. Let's just do this like we usually do. Yes. So exciting. I love Queen. You know, they're not my favorite band, but they're definitely up there. They're only beat by like the Beatles and Led Zeppelin, to be honest. Queen is amazing. And obviously I appreciate Freddie Mercury so much as a vocalist. He's just the best, the absolute best. The thing I think that I'm impressed with Queen is that you don't have a lot of bands who can very easily transition styles through the years and still be good. I think the old bands could do it much better than people can today. I mean, like you have Maroon 5 today who used to be more alternative, like pop alternative, and then they completely switched course and went full pop and it was never as good. And it just feels like selling out. And to be fair, I don't know how people felt about bands back in the day switching styles. But yeah, bands like Queen, I feel like they did that so easily and still everything they put out is solid. And you can even see that in their hits. I mean, you have Fat Bottom Girls, which was pretty early. Um, I have a feeling that might have been off their first album, which was very much a more blues rock album, doing the thing that kind of all those bands started out doing. Very bluesy, great song. Then, of course, you have their quintessential songs like Bohemian Rhapsody and Bicycle Race, which are just kind of wild. Like, they're all over the place, have a lot of changes. They're really weird, and they're still amazing. And then you have their later songs, Another One Bites the Dust, which is more funky. You have Radio Gaga, Under Pressure. Those feel more 80s to me, to be honest. I don't even know the genre of 80s. I just think 80s, (laughs) but still really solid. They're all solid tracks, even though they're very different styles. And I think that this is the mark of really good musicianship in a band. Yeah. So it's not an argument if Queen are a good band or not, because they are. Right. My contention with them has never been how good they are. My contention with them has always been what style. Right. They are. And to be fair, you take their biggest hit, you take Bohemian, and I didn't know what to do with it. But the first Queen song I feel like I really liked, aside from We Will Rock You, I mean, that was easy. Yeah. Honestly, I didn't, I wasn't really big on, see, again, different times, right? You know, like I didn't understand Queen as a preteen, as a teenager. I didn't understand them at all. So I had this expectation. And so it was different than. Again, my 20s. Yeah. So We Will Rock You, I wasn't expecting the guitar. I I thought when I heard We Will Rock You, it was like this new song from like the aughts. The All-American Reject Days. Like that's kind of oh. what it... Yeah. And I thought it was going to stay acapella. And so I think assuming it was going to stay acapella, mm-hmm. I preferred it that way. And so when I heard Brian May doing his thing, even though he's an amazing guitarist, I was like, okay. I didn't like it because I was like... Again, my mind couldn't comprehend it. Now, in retrospect, it's a great track. Uh, I still like it a lot. I'm more used to it. I won't lie. Sometimes I feel like it should have stayed acapella because it leaves a little bit of mystery to the mind. Hmm. 
the same effect was Single Ladies by Beyonce. Mm. I was hoping that it would stay completely acapella, but then they put in the synth and they layered it with instruments. And I didn't like that. You know, I, I kind of liked the major tone it had because it almost sounds like a major tone and then it switches to like a minor tone. And so mm. I liked leaving a little bit to the imagination instead of interpreting the song for me. So mm. that see, that's nitpicking though. It doesn't really mean it's good or bad, but that's absolutely nitpicking on my mind's part. But I'm trying to find justice for Queen. So <laughs> that was We Will Rock You. And then, oh yeah, Under Pressure was probably the first Queen track that I really liked. Really? That's not one of my favorites by far. That's so funny. I probably because I'm a bassist. So that could be part of it. Mm. Oh, no, 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 no. So We Will Rock You. Obviously, another one bites the dust. I mean, that probably so good. was so my favorite. Good. Yeah, I mean... That's probably, in my opinion, the most non-Queen sounding track out of their hits. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, it very much is so different. Oh, this is the big thing. This is the big one. So this is why for everyone who wants to know why this idiot did not like Queen, <laughs> I was much more of a jazz head. Oh, yes. Yeah, the progressive rock bands, if it didn't sound like blues or jazz, throw it out. And that, yep, you're right. That is not Queen. They're a completely different kind of prog rock. I would say different even than Rush, because Rush isn't super jazzy, right? They're pretty pentatonic, but they're also somewhat, you're right. They're they not a lot super. Of modes. Yeah, they do a lot of modal stuff. You're right. But they're not super jazzy. I feel no, like they're there's, not. there's prog jazz rock, and then there's prog rock. And then there's Queen. <laughs> I feel like they're kind of on a different level of experimental rock for sure. So King Crimson and Chicago for sure are very jazz-centric yes. prog rock bands. When it comes to Rush, they sound a lot like Led Zeppelin to me. Mm, okay. Not everything, but their very first record, I can't remember when it was. It was from like 74. Oh, that was the bluesy one. That one's so good. It's yes. So good. Yeah. That one sounded more like Zep. And then Very Zep. my favorite Fly By Night from 76. Oh, wait. I think it's 75. I always get the years mixed up um, with the owl on it, with Anthem. I want to go into Rush a little bit. It's fine. We could do it another time. But yeah, I have to prep for Rush, but they're they're awesome. Yeah, they had a little bit more of a straightforward rock approach, even though they're one of the most technical bands that we could talk about. Their scales are I have to say pretty straightforward. Yeah. But sure, I noticed that Getty will entertain those blue notes. Like he knows passing tones. Like they understand that stuff. But let's just take Chicago because I use them all the time. Chicago are extremely jazzy. Mm -hmm. Like that was their thing. Uh, Satara did the walking bass lines. Danny is a very jazzy drummer. I mean, just like Mitch Mitchell and, and a lot of other drummers during that time. And then Robert Lamb and Terry Kath, you know, they sound like that Frank Sinatra type singing, right? You know, but it's cool. I like it. Now you take Queen and they're a straight up opera rock band. I mean, it's absolutely classically driven. Yeah, it's wild. It's right. so wild. And Van Halen are also similar in that effect if we're going to talk about scales. Mm, okay. See, there's a reason why I didn't like Van Halen and why I didn't like Queen. I was not big on rock bands that fused 
heavy classical elements in there. I just wasn't big on it. And so that is a personal preference. But you take Queen and Van Halen, and they're probably one of the most revered rock bands of all time due to their skill level. Right. Well, and this is why I think I liked Queen so much. I never got into Van Halen just because I never really listened to them, but this is why I liked Queen so much. I mean, I'm a vocalist at heart, so that's the big thing, but I like love classical music and I grew up going to sleep listening to classical music and stuff like that. That was just such a big part of me. And of course, you and I are both similar in this way. We both like weird stuff. And Queen was my brand of weird, like Bohemian Rhapsody's wild. <laughs> so is Bicycle. I heard Bicycle and I'm like, what is happening? I love it. <laughs> okay, so Bicycle's also one of my favorite Queen hits for sure. Okay, it's so cool. The Yeah, like the, um, I thought I'd get his name and I totally forgot his name. <laughs> I can't remember the bass player's name. How sad. I feel so terrible. <laughs> So Under Pressure is a really good pop rock bass riff, right? You know, like, of course it was because Vanilla Ice took it. Classic. That's a good straightforward bass line, but his lines in Bicycle, I mean, his bass lines in almost everything I've heard from Queen are pretty eccentric. Again, it took me some time to get used to Van Halen, Queen, and other classically driven rock bands because another disclosure, I never liked musicals for that reason. Oh, I don't like musicals either. TBH. Not my thing. Sure. In general. I like some, but yeah, in general, eh. They are very skilled, but I think that kind of musicianship, I notice a lot of the classically driven bands, they're great when it comes to artistic elements. I think they're great when it comes to skill level. I mean, just like the jazz guys, you know? I mean, they're really, to me, neck and neck. Yes. Jazz and classical, to me, are important, and you can't have the music we, we love today without jazz or classical. Right. Jazz and classical to me are the king and queen of music, as far as I'm concerned. Sure. However, they do evoke, I think, different emotions for people. And jazz evokes this emotion that classical doesn't. Mm-hmm. And jazz, just for some reason in my mind, fuses well with rock. Yeah. Oh, and also, you are a lot more vocal, like you said. Now, I do like everything, everything. And there are bands that I've told you I love for their vocal element. But Even Everything, Everything are very jazz-fused if you listen to a ton of their stuff. In fact, they are almost parroting Queen, but in a jazz way. Huh. Interesting. Not saying they totally parody Queen, but they're eccentric in their how kind of off-kilter and how they bounce back and forth, back and forth. But they do it in a jazzy way, whereas Queen does it in a very classical way. And so I'm like, okay, I I totally get a different emotion from EE than I do from Queen. But I do like Queen a lot more than before. I can understand them better. In fact, uh, what's that one with the robot on it? With the with the what? It looks like the Iron Giant on it. Oh, that's hilarious! I don't know. I don't know that one. It's called News of the World. Okay, so I listened to some tracks from that one. That one's pretty good. Yeah, I um. I'm not an album person, like in general, except for with a few bands. So with most bands, I know songs. I know We Will Rock You, obviously. I know We Are the Champions. We Are the Champions was never my favorite. Like, it's fine, but it's like... Uh, I agree. Yeah, but I love We Will Rock You. That's like so good. I don't know any of the other songs 
on this album. So it's understandable because I think I kind of find it interesting how people gauge their favorite bands because for me, I'm definitely an album person. But I have come across people where they have a favorite band, but they only listen to select songs. And I think that it's interesting how we're all different. So I would like to explore that more with you. Yeah. But I don't mind listening to the Queen albums because I just, I guess I have, now I have the patience to listen to like a 12, 14 track. Like it just works because I feel like I can understand a band much better or an artist much better. Oh, you absolutely can't. Well, I mean, with my two favorite bands, I know their albums very well. Led Zeppelin and the Beatles. Like I know their albums. Beatles do have an extensive discography. So I'll give you that. Yes. Oh my goodness. It's insane. So in that, like, you're right. You absolutely can understand. You get such a better picture of a band by their albums than by their hits. More well-rounded, I would say. I've also listened to all of Jimi Hendrix's albums. There you go. And they're all amazing. They're they're all fantastic. Oh, they're all great. Yeah. So with Queen, um, I mean, I listened to their entire first album, which... I mean, it was good because it was blues rock. That's obviously my favorite, but I've never been much into their albums as a whole. The ones that I've listened to. I don't even know if I've listened to all of Night at the Opera or whatever that one is called. The one with Bohemian Rhapsody. I may have listened to most of it. I don't think I listened to all of it. So Freddie's approach is also iconic. Mm -hmm. He does a lot of. Oh, okay. So is there a formal word for this? It's not gibberish, but you know what I'm talking about, right? Uh, the way he sings? Yeah, he likes to do a lot of sounds rather than actual yeah. real words. It's almost like scat, but it's not. Yeah, it is like that. You're right. But it's like a Freddie Mercury version of it. Yeah. And so, you know, I used to hate that because I was like, I can't stand this guy. He's nuts. And so now today... Even though I don't really always like it, I've come to like it much more. And I'm like, the dude's a genius because Bob Marley did that. I mean, I noticed that was a time where a lot of artists would do that. Wouldn't Robert Plant do that too? I was literally thinking he did a lot of like, and stuff like that. Yeah, no. That was his thing. He also did a lot of like other weird stuff vocally. But yeah, yeah, that's. Totally him. <laughs> so that was a time when artists, uh, vocalists, namely, would do that. They did a lot more of that type of stuff. And I I think Freddie made it his own. Now, this is the weird thing. So I, <laughs> I'm trashing on Queen so much, but I'm not really, you know. I'm just saying what I used to think and what I think now. So right. uh, for the life of me, I always talk about how much I love and hate Radio Gaga. I love that song, but it's very commercial. I could see you like having a love-hate relationship with it. It's good. It's a no, good no. Song. It's so the song is great. I mean, it's a hook. Okay, so as you've already noticed, I'm very instrumental and I'm very just like sound oriented. In fact, I don't really pay attention to lyrics, which is probably a bad thing. So I'm not the guy to talk to when you're trying to dissect lyrics. I am the guy to talk to if you want to talk about. The bass line or what the piano did or what the guitar did or the drum. Like I like that drum part, the overall composition of the song, how it makes you feel. And so Radio Gaga, the feel is overall great. I love the chord progression. I love the melody. It's a great song in that regard. 
I'm just not that big on the gibberish aspect of it because I feel it's a little bit of a throwaway. And I just, I'm, I don't like the title of the song. Like, I just feel like I'm actually not mad at the fact that it's a hit. I'm cool with the song being a hit. I just care about what did you do to make it a hit. That's what I care yeah. about. But I don't really care. Like, if a song's like a hit song, like, I don't care. But if the song doesn't sit with me, then I don't care if it's a hit or not. Then I don't like it. You know what? My brother, he must have heard us talking about this because he just sent me a text. He loves Freddie. He's talking specifically not about the gibberish, I think. He's talking about his all type of deal that he did in concerts. And he goes, I think Freddie used those sounds to interact with his audience. He was always this dude that didn't know how to fit in. And when he had a crowd of so many people, he knew something like singing would bring them all together. I think he did it to make everyone feel the same and escape reality for a little bit. That's a really cool um, take on that. And that concludes this episode. Yeah, there you go. That was <laughs> that was it. <laughs> yeah. And that, of course, is not his little gibberish things that he does like in Radio Gaga, where he's like, like whatever. What are they called? Are they runs in classical or no? Yeah, melismas. Yeah. Melismas. They're called okay. melismas. Yeah. So he did melismas too, or runs sometimes. But yeah, he did a lot of sounds to interact with his audience, vocalizations to interact with his audience too. And that wasn't the gibberish thing, but yeah. No, I found out that that's probably one of the coolest things about him. And I like runs and melismas about vocalists now. Like, I used to not like that a lot because I was such an instrument person. But now I've really come to appreciate singers and what they do. And Freddie Mercury, for sure, is one of the coolest vocalists I've ever listened to, even if they're not my favorite band. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that. You know who did some weird stuff like that too? This just popped into my head of the same caliber, Prince. Oh, yeah. You're right. <laughs> he has this song called God, which I've never listened to all the way through because it's wild. But he starts it with all these weird, like, sound effects. He's going like, and stuff like that. Oh, who else did that? I mean, Michael Jackson did a ton of that stuff. Michael Jackson did. There's a new Harry Styles. Harry Styles has a track mm. called um, Sunflower Volume 2 or whatever. Sunflower Volume something. And I'm like, that, that's weird. Where, where's the Volume 1? And But anyway. <laughs> if that was an artistic direction, that's pretty clever. Yeah, right? It is a very cool song. It's so cool. Sunflower Volume 6. I'm sorry. Volume 6. Don't know where the first five volumes are. Don't know. But really good song. And at the end, the whole song's wild. I listen to this and I'm like, what is happening? And I would have never expected it from a, a band member of One Direction because I thought that they were not real musicians. I was wrong. So I think that they have been trying to distance themselves from that. Good for them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Cause they probably are real musicians. And I just assumed they weren't because one direction sucks. <laughs> Sorry. One direction. You know, to be fair also, uh, it's so funny. I used to trash on these bands, but I think as I got older, I realized the music business and how messed up it is, which is why I now give grace to one direction and Justin Bieber. They were just kids. Right. They're just kids and they're in an industry that really is 
trying to tell them what they can make and what they can't. And so now, I mean, Harry Styles is alone. He can be as weird as he wants. And he is. He actually reminds me a little bit of Freddie and Prince with how out there he is in his stage presence and stuff. I'm not like a Harry Styles fan, but I like what he's doing sometimes, you know? Yeah. He's actually pretty good. Yeah. Great voice. Like I said, Sunflower Volume 6. Mm. Great song. At the end, he's doing all these weird like vocal things that remind me so much of Prince. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you're so weird. Can you mimic them? Yeah, he's going like, boop, 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 and stuff like that. And it's okay, like, I should check it out. Really, oh, sick song. I heard too, someone did a um slow down version on YouTube, and I liked that better than the original. I was like, oh, this is so chill. <laughs> it's really cool. I need to check that out. Yeah, I'll see if I can find it and I'll send it to you. Yeah, you know, these artists like Freddie, yeah, they were really doing just kind of some unconventional things. Prince for sure. Harry Styles now is doing some unconventional things. And yeah, definitely it's not everyone's style. I don't like all the little vocalisms Freddie does. I love the interaction with his audience, though. Yeah, just depends. So let's not forget Brian, the best member. <laughs> yeah, Brian's great, great guitar player. And like you said last week, he kind of looks like Johann Sebastian Bach with that hair. Right? No, yeah. <laughs> Roger's a great drummer. Very straightforward rhythm section. But I mean, they get pretty technical. Yeah. But I think it's similar to some bands where like, you know, this one guy is the most technical or something like that. Now, Rush is very difficult. I won't lie, though. I like Rush a lot, and I really like Alex, but sometimes I feel like Alex is a little bit overshadowed by Neil and Getty. So It's amazing, because what's the guitar player's name again? Alex Lifeson. Alex Lifeson, that's right, because he's amazing. I know, he's great. And like, I mean, (laughs) to overshadow Alex Lifeson, you have to be absolutely insane the band might as well be a super group they're just not a super group because they don't fit the actual definition but like no. they're all amazing <laughs> they're like one of the greatest bands of all time if we're talking about like like all members i swear like three guys right just three guys yeah. and the fact that getty doesn't have to record the baseline separately from the vocals he's crazy he's insane i can't think of someone who can do that who plays just like just like they're not singing. Right, right. He's singing and doing those bass lines. And then sometimes I think that he's a little bit overshadowed by Neil because, I don't know, maybe people can pick up the drums better in Rush. But I'm like, whoa, like, mm-hmm. check out what Getty's doing. Like, that's some crazy stuff. But but they're all great. I actually like all three of the guys. They, they are really oh, yeah. cool. yeah. Absolutely. One of the coolest bands that aren't in my top 30. <laughs> but they're just so amazing. So yeah. there's that. But with Queen, I have to hand it to Queen. Their dynamic, I think, is really cool because even though I'm not really big on more opera sounding rock, their dynamics are cool because they take you through this journey musically. I also love their heavy use of piano. Mm. And so I love that about Freddie, that he's always playing that in there. Yeah. And, you know, one moment they go between the piano and the guitar and then pairing them. They seem to combine different elements in different combinations. Mm. 
or different configurations, whatever. They seem to like pair this with that and then this with that. And now both of these together. And now we take this away. They do a lot of that in Queen. Now, sure, there are tons of other bands that do that same thing. But Queen, I have to say, have a very distinguished sound. And so that's why they are considered one of the greatest bands of all time. There is a Queen sound. 100%. I was just thinking about that. They have those harmonies and it always sounds like they're singing it into a can or something like that. (laughs) That is the Queen sound. It's amazing. (laughs) Yeah, they're the Queen of that. But uh, no, I like Brian a lot. I like how introverted he seems. He seems really chill. I like him. He seems really down to earth. Yeah. I'd like to meet him. I've heard that he's really cool. Yeah. You know what? I noticed that about bass players. Bass players always seem to be more chill than everyone else. Every bass player. Yeah. What is it about bass that like attracts a chill person to play it? What do you think that is? Sometimes bassists are a lot like drummers and drummers, not all the time, but a lot of drummers are pretty introverted. And I know this because most drummers I meet are more introverted. Not all the time, because people are going to take this and use this as gospel. It's not. This is just an assessment, my personal assessment. The kit tends to attract introverts because they don't have to talk with anyone. They can sit in the back. Nice. And so, yeah, it tends to be that. Now, with bassists, I think it's the same way. I think a lot of them like to be in the back. Now, being a bassist, this is the way I see bassists. I think bassists, this is the way I am, are secretly control freaks. (laughs) And you know where I'm going with this. Yeah, you know where I'm going with this. Being a bass is our best kept secret because people don't realize how much we alter the sound when we like it like that. Now, some bands don't really have... Again, it just depends on the style. I mean, I don't really care if you are Getty Lee or if, you, if you're Kim Deal from Pixies, because I love Pixies a lot. Extremely straightforward bassist, nothing really crazy, nothing flashy. The bassist from Weezer, nothing crazy. You know, with like Say It Ain't So and My Name Is Jonas. Yeah. Weezer bass lines are never complicated. They're very straightforward. Even if you're not really playing anything interesting, you're not inventing reinventing the wheel, so to speak, you are a big part of that sound. And if you take the bass out of that band, it really affects the sound. And so you have the simple bassist, but then you have people, because even Sting is not really that crazy complex. I like Sting, but I'll take Stuart Copeland because I like what Stuart is adding to the band. A good example would be, let's just use Beatles because that's like the number one, right? Right. But Paul McCartney's bass lines are an important part of the Beatles. And so if you take that out, you don't have the Beatles anymore. And so most people wouldn't think that because most people don't run to bass piano, bass guitar, bass drum. They don't run to the bass frequencies. They listen to the higher ranges of piano and guitar and drums, right? But typically a bass drum isn't for notes. But there are tone drums. So technically, yes, you could be a bass drummer. So yeah, I think As a bassist, we like to secretly be in the front. And again, the note that we play is the chord. That determines what chord that is being played in the band. And I think that's what gives bassists a lot of power. And not every bassist understands that. But for the bassists that do, we like it like that. And we just like to, you know, I mean, you'll hear it. Some band members get really upset with the bassist bass lines because they can really affect the band. Sometimes Mm. people will be like, 
please don't play those notes. You know, like some band members are in on the, the act and they get it and they're like, okay, I hear what our bassist is doing. We don't like it. We want you to change what you're doing. And in that case, you know, the band has to kind of come to some sort of compromise. But for the most part, bassists are able to kind of do what they do because most people aren't paying attention to those low notes. And so that's why, like, when you listen to a band, if you're ever paying attention or if you can ever hear it in the mix, because sometimes the mix is different, you know, from engineer to engineer. Like, sometimes the drums are heavy in the mix. Sometimes the bass is heavy in the mix. Sometimes the piano is heavy in the mix. Sometimes it's really hard to make out what's being played on the kit. But I would say a lot of songs, you can hear the bass for the most part, assuming that you're playing like a bass piano or a bass guitar. Because um, who's that guy from The Doors? He's a bass pianist. I know nothing about The Doors except Jim Morrison. That's okay. But the bass lines in The Doors are an integral. They are a very important sound of The Doors. Okay. The doom, do, do, doom, do, do, doom, do, do, do. So like you take that yeah. out, you don't have the doors anymore. That's so true. That's very true. And, you know, you take out bass out of almost all reggae songs. You don't have reggae anymore. That's so true. It is That's very true. That's a really good point. Yeah. No, the bass is super important. I'll be honest. I've never heard anyone yell at a bass. As a piano player, I get got yelled at. All the time in worship teams. No, you can't play in the middle because the guitar is playing there. No, you can't play low because the bass is playing there. Here, play up here. And then I have to play these really ugly high piano notes. And I'm like, I don't even want to play anymore. This is why, like, I don't play in worship teams. I don't play with a lot of groups in general because I have zero freedom. And that's fine. In a band, it's not about having a ton of artistic freedom, especially on a worship team. That's not the point. But it just, like, I would rather at that point not be focusing on trying to make it the sound right. Like, at that point, I'm like, I just want to worship or I just want to play. Like, I want to actually enjoy myself. And so I don't I do not do a lot of teamwork <laughs> as a musician. So with all due respect, because I also grew up in that, and I'm really trying to respect some of these institutions. But I get it. I do get it. I get what they're trying to do, but I think they can get way too nitpicky about stuff. Yes, they can. And they end up micromanaging you and you're kind of like, okay, why don't you get on the piano and you do it? Right, right. You know, like you can do it, you know, or whatever. I think people take it too weirdly. Like, you know, I'm, I'm in these uh these musician forums and, you know, for guitarists, you know, for pianists and for... And I'm just going to say it outright. These are bass guitarists because people will say, oh, this is what a bass is. Like, you'll hear the most pretentious stuff. They'll say, like, this is a bass, not a bass. And the first picture is a bass guitar. Okay, it's clearly a bass guitar. Guess what the second picture is? It's Skrillex on a bass synth. Oh, okay. (laughs) Guess what? It's still a bass. Do you know why? Because bass is not predicated on... The style of instrument is predicated on the frequency range. That's right. what makes it a bass instrument. That's why you have a bass piano, a bass drum, bass guitar, a bass synth. You get what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. as a bassist, I don't get really ultra. Spe- well, I do actually get ultra specific, but I'm, I'm only ultra specific because people are not specific enough. There are these elitists when it comes to bass guitars that nothing else can be a bass unless it's like a double bass. Everyone like respects the double bass as a bass. But for some reason with bass guitarists, it can only be a double bass maybe. 
and a bass guitar. Nothing else is a bass. And I'm like, you don't understand music at all. Well, I think that's because when they hear bass, and I'm the same way, my mind goes to double bass or bass guitar. If there's another instrument, I'm going to qualify what instrument it is. Like, this is a bass clarinet. This is a bass flute. But that's what I'm saying. You're at least being honest about, like, for instance, like a like a tuba. I mean, that's like a bass horn, if we're going to really be, right? Sure. Yeah, okay. that's true. It's technically the bass. Like, if you listen to a marching band, they're doing the bass lines. Yeah. That is a bass instrument. I don't care what anyone oh, says. Yeah. yeah, that is a... Oh, it's a bass instrument, sure. Right. And so what I'm saying is, here's the thing about bass guitar. I have a bass guitar. I love bass guitars. Like, I love Fenders. And I love Fenders, right? <laughs> I'm going to go yeah. more, right? No, I love uh, I love Fenders. I love Ernie Ball Music Men. I love Gibson basses. But, you know, I'm a Fender guy. So I love... Fender Precision. I love my Fender Jazz. I have a Fender Jaguar because I liked the Jazz and the Precision combined into one. And my other one got stolen. Please find it, America. I know I'm so angry about that. That's sad. So I love bass guitar, but guess what also exists? So Fender made, they called it the piano bass. Now, I think it's better to call it a bass piano to be consistent with bass drum, bass guitar, but he called sure. it the piano bass. But it might just be the name of the model. So it's not mm-hmm. an actual technical term. That's what the, the bassist from The Doors plays. And he's a bassist. So interesting. You need to look up videos of Fender piano bass and you, you will hear what I'm talking about. And you're playing bass lines like any other instrument. Sure. Yeah. Check that out. And dude, this will blow your mind. Have you ever listened to Parliament? No. Okay. That funk band. Uh-uh, I don't know them. So have you ever seen like a Moog synthesizer? The little short, like it's got like the knobs and it's a synth from like the 70s. I probably have. And it has like a huge board of knobs. Maybe, maybe. So there are short scale versions or you can change the scale. You know, it's small, so you could probably move it between like a treble and a bass scale. Guess what? You can turn it into a bass instrument and he's playing bass lines on a synth. That's cool. <laughs> Check out Flashlight by Parliament. You can find it. It's a, I, it's a big song. I do love funk bass like no other. It is so good. Dude, listen to Flashlight. Okay. Real quick question before we go talking about bass lines. What do you think of Panic Station by Muse? Oh, you know what's funny? I I fell off of Muse during Second Law. Okay. Panic Station is from that time, right? I don't remember what album Panic Station is on, but it's super funky. I played it for my brother Andrew and he goes, <laughs> another one bites the dust because it had like a similar feel. It's like boom, boom. It's so good. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I was in college at the time and I can't remember exactly how I felt about the song, but I think I remembered exactly what your brother just said. Like, I think I did say like, this sounds like another one bites the dust. A little bit. Yep. How about I give my assessment next week? Yeah. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. That concludes today's episode. You guys have a great day. We'll be with you next week. And Christina, per usual, catch base later. Catch base later. (laughs) All right. Peace. Bye. (laughs) 